And one thing I learned about creativity is once you start somewhere, it's amazing how it unlocks. I think what I what I say to people is if you draw and that doesn't work, try something else. It could be it could be crocheting, it could be, I don't know, building boats. I don't try something. Keep trying because you will find something. Just start. Don't overthink it. Don't worry about it being perfect. Enjoy the process as you go along. Hello and welcome to the Common Creative Podcast. I'm Paul Fairweather. And I'm Chris Meredith. We're on a mission to unveil the secrets of creativity in work and beyond through the lenses of uh, ideas, stories and visual cognition. Yes, Chris, and we certainly had a very visual person on today. Our guest today is Kat Driscoll. Kat is a jewellery maker, for the want of a better word has a very interesting story about how she came into that but as you described to her her work is full of joy happiness brightness it's very uplifting it is and we wanted to know what it's like to be a practical creative somebody who gets on runs a business that's that turns out a beautiful creative product not too much of the highbrow philosophy and it was fascinating how the themes she mentioned uh, mirrored some of the themes we've got from the great thinkers and philosophers of the creativity. Yeah. It's a standby for lessons about note-taking, uh, lessons about uh, having an open mind. Paul, what else? Look, one of the things that she said right up front was when she first started, uh, really almost art therapy because she was ill, uh, a friend of hers said, draw, and this friend was a, a really beautiful drawer, and she was embarrassed. She said, I can't draw. Yet she convinced, she, she told us that she, the only thing she kept from her childhood were her duo-went pencils because she loved to draw as a child. So, look, you know, that lesson about creativity is not relative was one, one of many that we got from her, from, as you say, from this very practical application of building a small business. It was absolutely fantastic. A lovely person, very, very open and great insights. Lovely. Let's get her in. Kat Driscoll, welcome to the Common Creative Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm very, very honoured to be here. Kat, we're honoured that you've joined us. Thank you so much. We can't wait to hear more about your story. And of course, um, jewellery, Bobby Francis. Yes. So, Kat, could you get started off by giving us uh, not so much a potted history, but the, the highlights or moments in your life that have had an impact that have changed your direction and got you from where you were to where you are? Yeah. Um, I think to start with, before I head down where the earring business came from, I have one thing that I've kept from my childhood and that is my Derwent pencils. So I have kept nothing else except that and I still love them today as much as I did back then. So my school holidays was always drawing and paper and mum always used to say it was just constantly going to the news agency to buy more paper and pencils. But I guess life gets in the way, you get busy, um, you start work and then I think a little bit of self-doubt creeps in so you just don't pursue anything. Uh, then at one point, probably about seven or eight years ago, um, I came down with some pretty significant health issues um, that they were touch and go. We didn't know what was going to happen, which way it was going to go. So it was a pretty devastating time. Our whole, our whole life changed, Grant and I. Um, so I had a lot of downtime in that period of time and I was feeling pretty low. And I have a dear, dear friend of mine who is a very amazing artist and she is a big believer that everybody can draw. So she used to say to me, why don't you start drawing? And I was like, I can't draw 
And I guess my can't draw is because I wanted to draw like her. <laughs> um, but I had to realise that's not the case. So I had a decision to make. Do I sit around and be sad about the fact that I'm sick or do I try and do something? So to cut a very long story short, my husband and I went and house sat for a friend in Tweetheads and my husband loves sport. So he sat with about four different screens watching football, um, cricket. He had hot dogs. He was happy as a pig in mud. <laughs> and there's so many screens going on. Um, and yes, I like sport too, but not that much. So I bought some paper, got some pencils, and I started drawing. And from that, I, I started with a little greeting card business, and it kind of evolved into earrings and the business it is today. Well, that's fantastic. Now, you, you were a hairdresser before. Is that, that correct? Yes. Yeah. And I guess there is beauty in that too, isn't there? Like with hairdressing. Yes, but it's it's very much uh, you're the uh, master servant. Where here you're, you're your own your own master. Um, Kat, tell us a bit more about Bobby Francis, um, which is your jewelry range, if I understand it right. Yeah, I it, as I say, like this business has really evolved, and even from the the drawing, um, there were so many moments when I started drawing, and I was like, oh, this is ridiculous, I can't draw, and I'd screw up the piece of paper, I'd scroll and pay. Uh, but eventually, I just got my my groove, I suppose you could say, and I think I stopped trying to be this uh, amazing artist straight away and just recognise I have to start somewhere. That was greeting cards initially. Those drawings became greeting cards. And then I self-taught myself a vector app, Adobe Illustrator, and that took a long time too. So again, I would start using Adobe Illustrator and then I would get incredibly frustrated and think, I can't do this hard. And then I'd go, no, 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 go back. Um, you can do this, stop the self-doubt and just keep trying. So then I would start doing vector illustrations and I thought, oh, this would be kind of sweet as earrings. So the first lot of earrings I did was actually printing on plastic and then it was shrink plastic actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I know, crazy, right? So I would print them onto this plastic, cut them out with a machine, shrink them and then put on resin. So that was my first lot of earrings I did. So then I went to a finders keepers market and I saw this world of acrylic out there. Oh, I really like this. There's so much more options with with this. It's like putting a puzzle together, which is so cool. So I thought I'm going to give it a go, and I started drawing files. Have acrylic earrings made. And so how did you you got then cut somewhere? Obviously, yeah. Uh, yes. But, but since then, your father has joined the business. Yeah, and this is one thing I've got to say just on that note, is the support from my mum and dad and my husband have been amazing. Um, a lot of people, I think when they say you want to start a creative business, they're like, oh, you know, how's this going to go? But the whole way along, we've been incredibly supportive to the point where mum and dad came up one time. I had a finest keepers market and it is all systems go when you've got a three-day market. It's making earrings, earrings, earrings and more earrings. So they came up and we set up our one-bedroom apartment at the time, which was, I was running the business from. And we had it all set up with any tables we could find and we worked away. So my dad has very big hands. So his nickname is Buckets because his hands are like so big. So what him help me make earrings for a fine skiff and market was pretty sweet. <laughs> so he actually went home from that experience and he rang me up one day and he said, I've got an idea. And I said, oh, I love ideas. And he said, why don't I buy a laser machine and do all your laser cutting? And I was like, what? That's that's an amazing idea, really? And at the time, he was building cool fences and fencing and all that kind of stuff. So 
He did. He bought a laser machine. Um, it cost him about $10,000. Not only that, he actually built a whole room for the laser machine. So he built this room. Um, he made it soundproof. All the proper air ducting and stuff like that for the laser machine is, is all wood. And he now does all my laser cutting. Um, he's actually been working full time for the last month. I've had him really, really going through <laughs> for this month. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's going to get a, a management appraisal at some point, give us some feedback, that kind of thing. <clears throat> now, Kat, your jewelry, we, I've had a look at it online. And it's full of joy. It's bright colours. It's happy shapes. It's um, how important is that theme to you? It, uh, it it just oozes to everything you've produced that I've seen anyway. I love that you say that, and I can't tell you how happy that makes me because that actually was a very big moment to me, even in my drawing. Um, I think one of the when I was like doing lots of funny little drawings and I'd throw them away, but eventually I finally got my groove. I drew a ostrich on a unicycle and a giraffe in a bath. This is just an example. Um, it it made me laugh and I thought, you know, I don't I don't have to paint this amazing face. Maybe I might do that down the track. But if my drawings can make someone smile, then I'm wrapped. I'm happy. That's my, my job done. So I guess you saying that is a very big compliment because that's what I really want to do. It's not opening the box and, and having that emotion is, is delightful for me. Oh, we all need that. We all need a bit of a smile in our lives, don't we? Yes, yeah, so. So it was. It wasn't hard to pick that up. It was lovely, lovely to hear that. Um, one of the cat. One of the themes that we're exploring amongst our creatives we speak to is how they get things done. Uh, because one of the great flaws of creatives is they get easily distracted. They have new ideas. They go, oh, what about this? What about that? What about that? When you're running a business, clearly you've got stuff to do. And you mentioned, um, I think, finders keepers markets coming up and. How do you balance the, the desire to be creative, to explore new ideas with the need to be organised and run a business? How do you do that? Yeah, really good question. And I would say it is still something that I do battle with. Um, I get so excited about new ideas. My husband is actually very good. Um, he will, from time to time when I'm getting a bit carried away, he's like, you know, just, just stop for a second, think about the collection you're currently doing. Um, so he kind of reins me in a little bit. So he's very helpful. Uh, but not to the point where it ruins my creativity. It's actually been very helpful in the business side of things. Um, but one thing that I have found profoundly helpful is actually um, using a push journal. And a push journal is where you write down your top three things you want to accomplish for that day. And then you write perhaps 10 other things that you'd like to get done, but it doesn't really matter. And then there's a, on the other side, there's a time frame and filling in that time frame a little bit. Now, I try my best to stick to it, but not not where it disrupts my flow. So there's a balance in that. But I definitely have found writing things down really important in running the business as well as being creative. Mm. And so, Kate, you mentioned there when you're working on collections. So uh, I'm assuming you you do a, a collection and then it, it runs its time and then you move on to something else. Is that right? So so you get you keep the 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 inspiration and variety there because you're not just producing the same thing. Once they're done, they're done. Is that right? Yeah. So I do a little bit of both. I like to do something new because obviously when you're creative, it gets a bit boring if you're doing the same thing. So I like to do something new. However, what I've learned just to take a little bit of that pressure off because it is pretty constant. Uh, I'll do maybe three new collections. And then in between the next lot of new collections, I will do a restock of some of the favourites. So it just gives me a little bit of break in between those busy periods. 
um, to just catch my breath and restock some favourites. So those who missed out are really happy because often they sell out really quickly, sometimes in the first three minutes. Wow. Okay, what's coming up? What's coming up? What, what are the collections that you're working on now? And where do the ideas come from? How do you know to pursue this or that as a collection? Yes, that's a very, again, I lo- love your question. So I find this part hard too because my brain's always pinging. So I'm thinking, oh, I want to do this and I want to do that. So actually stopping and thinking of a collection idea has helped just, again, rein me in a little bit. So it's a little bit more productive than just all these crazy ideas going on. So, for example, the last two collections I did was uh, Japanese-inspired, Kyoto Calling. That way I could just explore the internet with anything Japanese and then look at it and think, would that make a great earring? Have that look a unique, different, the Bobby Francis stamp on it. But in saying that too, I am always looking. So if I'm out and about, it could be a pattern on a dress. And just thinking about that, actually, Ron and Dad once were at an Airbnb and I went to visit them, think the couch, and I looked up at the wallpaper and I was like, that would make a spectacular earring. And, you know, it was one of my best sellers and that came from a wallpaper. So I'm always looking at having a collection has been helpful in just in reining in those ideas a little bit and, and having a story to tell along with those collections. I know that's something you guys um, speak about a lot is storytelling. And that's something I'm working on moving forward is having a lot more of that storytelling in, in my collections. Yeah, and let's... I, I, and- but that shows up in your Instagram posts, little stories of of how you do them and stuff like that. So that that's great. I I can see behind you um, your new logo of Bling Hound. Uh, I, I was sort of changing around, but I, I love the story you told me about it. That you, people have been wanting you to do dogs, do dogs, do pets, and you're going no, no, no. I'm sticking to what I do. You know, you're not the hairdresser anymore. You're doing what you want to do. But eventually you did. But so tell us about Bling Hound. Okay, so Blinghound, so funny story, when I went to my very first finders keepers, I was doing all my, my flowers and the birds and all those kind of things. Now, a friend of mine, a very dear friend of mine, actually lost her dog, Coco, and Coco was a Westie dog. So I thought, I'm going to make her a pair of Westies out of acrylic earrings because it's just a nice little keepsake. And they were ridiculously cute. So I thought, oh, maybe I should make some up and take them to the finders keepers. So I think I made, I got Dad to make um, about 50 of these Westies up and I just made, I took 10 to the first day and they sold out within the first hour. So I took the next 10 the next day. They sold out that day. I took the next 10 and I got down to the last one and I thought, ah, so I kept just one. I said, sorry, this one's not for sale, but if you follow Bobby Francis, I'll, I'll re- be restocking them at some point. And then I kept getting emails wanting these Westies. <laughs> I really should be doing dogs, but I don't want to. So I didn't. I, d- I did have a few dogs here and there in my collections. But then it, it just dawned on me that as I'm walking around the area of Tenerife, people love their dogs. And I've got beautiful memories with my dogs. They're very synonymous with memories and life and love and all those beautiful things. And I thought, you know what, I'm actually going to do this. So I thought, I'm going to do dogs. And actually, Grant, my husband, came up with the name Bling Hound. So he's very, very happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great because if, if the name doesn't work, you can blame him. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I will too. <laughs> and look, I just had a look at and, and your Westie earrings are cute, but obviously, you know, they don't suit me. Are, are, are you going to do any Westie cufflinks? My God, the, the black and white Westie cufflinks would be fantastic. 
Uh, you know what? I love the way you think, Paul. That's awesome because currently I've got key rings, brooches, earring studs, and dangles. But I think I'm definitely going to add that to the list. Yeah, great. Well, let me know and I'll uh, I'll, I'll I'll get some. Well, no, we'll have Wesley's. But a Labrador would be, be perfect. There's a a fashion gap because I think everyone loves the idea of cufflinks. I mean, Paul and I are currently both. Oh, I'm wearing a t-shirt under here. Paul's wearing a common creative t-shirt. So I'm thinking, how would you? We need to find a T-shirt that needs cufflinks or something. I think people love to wear cufflinks, but there are very few men, anyway, wearing shirts that accommodate cufflinks. There's a gap there. You need to work out how to solve that. That is true. That is true. There's a problem. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask you about note-taking. When you you said, I'm always looking, and I, I, I personally think that's a real feature of creatives. They've got this idea. And they're looking for inspiration, stimulus, and, and you're building up these ideas to, to, to use in some way down the track. And is there a way you capture those? Or is it just a mental thing? I've spotted that fabric or I've, I've spotted something. Do you have a way of synthesizing it and compiling them so that, you, that they don't get lost? Oh, absolutely. And again, not initially, but when I went along and I saw the business rolling, and now I'm like, there's so much, I've got so many photos of so much things, so many things written down. I've started cataloging things. So I, like, even with my photos, I might say, take a photo of a pattern that I see on a friend's dress or a wallpaper or a bird when I'm out. And I've got some into albums in my iPad so I can quickly access things. I'm not scrolling through like 76,000 photos or whatever. It's currently a lot like that. Um, yeah, so definitely cataloging things. And if I sometimes I wake up at two or three in the morning and have a oh, do this or do this, and I have always have a pen and paper beside my bed so I can write it down and therefore I can get back to sleep. Otherwise, I just lay there like brewing over this new idea. <laughs> we, we've got a guest coming up shortly um, who I, I heard him tell a story. I think it was Edison, Thomas Edison, um, the light bulb um, inventor, and he would sleep. With, or he'd go to sleep with ball bearings in his hand. And that meant that as he fell asleep, he would, they would drop the ball bearings and wake him up so that he could then record what was in his mind at that exact time. So, yeah, have a pen and paper by, by bed. That makes perfect sense to me. The brain does lots and lots of work when you're asleep, so you need to know what it's doing. The cat, I'm interested in this, this journey. You know, you started almost, you know, drawing as therapy. And I do love the thing that you say that you couldn't draw because you was being... You're comparing yourself to your friend, and there's something that Chris and I both teach. Re- creativity is not relative. It doesn't matter how creative someone else is. It doesn't you know, affect your own creative strengths. So you started it, uh, then you started doing some greeting cards. At that stage, you probably had a, an idea that you're going to do a, a greeting card business, and then it morphed into uh, uh, Bobby Francis, and now Bobby Francis and Blinghound. Do you have a vision? for the future like you know you're very busy working in the business do you have a vision or are you just happy to see see where it goes yeah no no i definitely do actually a couple of things i would say to that so one i I love how bobby francis evolved and if someone had said to me i'd be running this business the way it was you know seven or eight years ago i just would have thought i don't think that was possible to to, to see that just slowly evolve has been a beautiful experience one thing I'm excited with Blinghound is I'm taking a little bit of that experience. I've still got lots to learn, um, but I'm taking a little bit of that experience and putting that into this business. So I'm intrigued to see how this business goes, taking some of that and starting this new business. Um, but I have got other things in the pipeline too that uh, like even starting a little business that is a bit more of a passive income 
I will always do a hands-on thing. I love it. That is my joy and my happy place. But because I've loved learning the business side of things, I want to challenge myself a little bit more in that. Because mm, mm. I was thinking that, you know, if the demand keeps growing and the pleasure is in the doing, there's only so much you can do. And, you know, so so you're looking at a maybe another business that has more passive so you can continue. So this doesn't get bigger than a certain thing or will you outsource? What I, I know you do have a helper that comes in occasionally. Um, what What's your thinking there? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And I, I mean, I think if it ends up taking off, I'll, I'm definitely happy to outsource. And yeah, I'd love to see it grow to that point. And I think I've, I was a little, with Bobby Francis, I was a bit apprehensive. You know, they always do hear that expression to start something and then scale it. And I'm like, okay, I'm just happy I started something. <laughs> but now as time's gone on, I'm like, oh, actually, I don't mind the idea of that challenge of, Stagging something. So, if it was to get to that point, absolutely. The girl that I've, uh, a girl, actually, funnily enough, I've got a friend at the moment, she's in the other room making stuff for the markets, but I've also got another young girl who's about 14 and she's just come on board and she is brilliant. She puts things together so, because that's the thing when it's something you love, you want it to be put together nicely and she, you know, Andy. And I also love having her on board because she's young and I'm hoping that in some way, this experience with me will help her moving forward too and not being afraid to give something a go. Mm. Actually, it's what you've just said there is, is very in keeping with the our little, our little mini season here on uh, productivity and doing. One of the guests that we had uh, on a little bit earlier, Nick Jaff from Jaffe from um, Tasmania, and he's a real doer and he makes beautiful leather and canvas goods as well as other things that he does. But he said something, and Chris asked him the question, he said, oh, I did it on a whim. And Chris said, is it okay to do things on a whim? And he said, yes, it is, as long as you follow through. And I think this is the thing. And, and, and you know, what you've done is you've done it on a whim pretty well, uh, a whim and a prayer. Well, let's say a wing and a prayer, but a, let's say a whim and a prayer. Or in your case, a whim and a plan, uh, but, you know, you follow through. So, so I think that's a really interesting um, thing. And what I find also fascinating is that, you know, you are busy doing and you're looking for more inspiration to keep those ranges and collections going and then something similar but in the dog range. But you're also looking more broader and saying, like, what have I learned about business and how can I grow that into something that's more, you know, passive income? It's it's very insightful and, and you know, great for our listeners. Is there any couple of things that you've learned that some of our listeners could go, yeah, okay, you know, pitfalls, something went wrong or something that you did so well, that was really gave me great leverage yeah absolutely i think one of the biggest things is not not looking for things to be perfect um i think if you're if you're going into that perfectionism thing i want it to all run perfectly you're looking at the end result you're not enjoying the process and i think enjoying the process is a beautiful thing i think you had charlie marcus say something like um if, if they make a mistake turn it into something yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that's so inspiring and I love that and I would absolutely 100% agree. That was a big thing for me. Rather than seeing it as a mistake, seeing it as an opportunity, seeing it as something I can learn from, just start. Don't overthink it. Don't worry about it being perfect. Enjoy the process as you go along. It, it's a beautiful thing and even those moments where it, like I made one earring, I remember, and I loved it, loved it so much and I think I sold two. I loved it. <laughs> I love this. It's so gorgeous. <laughs> Let me interrupt you. For people who don't know who Charlie Marker is, Charlie is our youngest ever guest. He's, he was then seven years old. I think he must be eight by now. 
Um, and he gave us so many insights about creativity. A seven-year-old uh, a child prodigy, I think you'd say. And yet one of his tips in his seven-year-old voice was, if you make a mistake, turn it into something. Don't worry about it. So it's great that you got inspiration from that too. Can I just talk a bit about people that have influenced you? Because it strikes me that some key figures have really helped shape what you do. I mean, you mentioned this friend that said, why not try drawing? You mentioned the way your father's got involved in the business. You mentioned your partner who kind of keeps you on the straight and narrow, it sounds like. Um, how does a creative like you know when to take inspiration from a person around you, like try drawing? And when do you go, well, that's just talk at a cafe and yeah, thanks, but no thanks. How, how, do, you, how do you choose your friends, I suppose, is what I'm asking. <laughs> how do I choose my friends? Yeah, kind of, well, I know, but from a creative point of view, how can a creative learn to listen to and get inspiration from the people around them? I think that's what's behind the question. Yes, I think being open uh, is a big one. So initially when my friend said to me, like everybody can draw, I did the initial reaction to like, oh, I just don't think that's possible. And I think there's some people, I actually think a lot of people I talk to actually, if I said to them, are you creative? Well, I think everybody's creative, but I will ask them that question and they will say, oh, I'd like to be, but I don't think I am. I think that's most people's answer. But then they're shut off. So it's a good question. How do you actually inspire someone to push past that and give something a go. And I think what I what I say to people is don't if you draw and that doesn't work, try something else. It could be it could be crocheting, it could be, I don't know, building boats, I don't, it, it, whatever it is. Just try something. Keep trying because you will find something. I tried lots of things, honestly. If you ask my husband how many creative ventures I've gone down in in without we've been married. But I stumbled on something where I just picked up the pencil and started to draw. Is that answering your question? It absolutely does. Um, this sense of adventure. I, I, I'll tell you what went through my mind is is when you said a lot of people say I, I, I kind of I'd like to be creative. I, th I think creativity is a is an act of bravery. You're putting something out into the world that wasn't there before, and the risk, of course, is that the world goes, "Well, that was rubbish." And and if you're not careful, yes, bold, brave, and a bit quick. Um, if you're not careful, you get you pull your horns in. You say, "I'm not going to do that again," because it it backfires because people around you judge you and you know pick it apart and so on so every time you're doing something new you're being brave so do you identify with that idea of, of, of being a brave person creative people are brave people is what I'm saying. absolutely 100 percent. and my mum has many amazing sayings I, I love her for it you said to me even whenever i've given her suggestions of things i'd like to do she always say to me nothing ventured nothing gained give it a go and i i, I live by that what's the point of looking back and thinking oh, i wish i had given it a go what's the worst that can happen okay so it doesn't quite work then what do you do you just pivot try something else that's okay that's all part of the learning process and, and growth and not being afraid of that what have you noticed about creativity cat um yeah interestingly thinking about how the the brain to be trained and listening to kind of your podcast on this and i found it fascinating because one way i explain being creative to people is it's like going to gym so, for example, if I was to go and want to do five chin-ups, I'm not going to be able to go to the gym and do five chin-ups. It's going to take time, but you have to start somewhere. And one thing I learned about creativity is it's the same thing. You just Once you start somewhere, it's amazing how it unlocks. So, you know, in one week's time, you're doing this much, and then in four weeks' time, and all of a sudden, it's like it. I would use the expression it unlocks and you start doing things you never realised you could do. And funnily enough, that just makes me think too. I was learning the piano as a 30-year-old 
And I was getting taught by a girl who was 14 who'd been playing since she was four. Oh, my goodness. And there was one piece that I wanted to play. It's just the getting to the point of the brain and how amazing it is. So I was playing it, trying to play it, trying to play it, trying to play it. I was getting so frustrated. And I'd say to Kiara, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. I cannot get the hands to do it. And she's like, just keep practicing and you'll get there. I got so frustrated one day that I thought, you know what? I'm done. I can't do it. And I didn't touch the piano for about a week. And this is no word of a lie. I woke up one day after a week. I sat by the piano and I played it. I played it. And I rang Kiara and I said, I played it, I played it. So I went around there and I played it for her. And I think, again, that taught me how incredible the brain was. All that practice was going in. Yeah. Perhaps a little bit of that frustration was washing it. Um, but everything you are doing does add up to something at the end, just like exercise. There are, there are experiments of people um, being taught to play darts, throwing darts at a dartboard, and they... They get, I think, 20 minutes to try it out and see how they go. And then they're told to practice for 20 minutes a day with the caveat they get no darts and no dartboard. They can only do it mentally. In other words, you've got to practice throwing those darts in your mind. Two weeks later, here's a dart, have a go. And it's as if they'd had a dartboard every day. You can you can do it in your mind. It's extraordinary. Yeah, that's yeah. I have to tell you a sad flip side to your story about learning the piano. When my kids were really little and they started learning, I thought I'd learn with them because my mum was a piano teacher and she failed to teach me because, you know, I didn't want to be taught by my mum. No. So I basically, you know, I would do the lessons after they. So we all had lessons. The kids are only like five and six. And I was the only one who practiced. I practiced all the time. And the, the pianos and the end of the living dining kitchen room it's in the one room and this young piano teacher came along and you know after a couple of weeks she said paul um you've got to practice and i went i do practice all the time and she went no no you can't i go and everyone's going yes he does practice she goes she looks and she goes oh paul you're not good <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's being <laughs> deflated. <laughs> so, no, that, that's terrible. That was that was the end of my uh, piano piano life. piano career. <laughs> so, anyway, um, actually, what what I what I love about about you know the answers there to Chris's questions, and I've been listening is because Chris and I, I suppose, teach this, and while we don't teach it, you know, in a purely academic sense and not sort of a theoretical sense, because we do get people to do practical things. You're living it. You're epitomizing it. And then, you know, when, when you do meet people, you know, you're, you're also then teaching it by example and by your, by your own experience. I, I think I love the, there's sort of a certain amount of a uh, bit of serendipity in a way in your story about, you know, what, what, you, what you went through to get where you are. And Chris was asking me before we started, you know, how I knew you. And I was saying, well, Kat's the window cleaner's wife. <laughs> and he went... And I, he said, sorry? I said, well, you know that cafe that I took you to when you were up in Brisbane? I said, well, Grant used to clean the windows there and, and, and very efficiently. And, and I'd always have a little very short chat. And then especially we started talking and then we started having coffee and I found out he was a writer and he sent me some writing and I gave him some criticism. He didn't send me any more, more writing. Um, so I think uh, next time he came, he bought a long cat. He said, oh, you should meet my wife. She's creative. And so... Uh, <laughs> Um, but I didn't give Kat any criticism, so uh, she came back again. 
But yeah, so it, it's been uh, it's been absolutely wonderful. And, and now Grant has also moved on and doing something differently. He's uh, now working for a large training organisation uh, and getting a chance to speak to people, which we, which is his passion as well. So he's very he's very good with people, and he's very good at he, and he's very creative. So yeah. he, I even went down to his office recently, and uh, his boss said. His creative ideas have been so helpful and he's thriving, I think, because he's getting this opportunity to be creative even in the work environment. I think that's what you guys have spoken all about too, even in a corporate environment. Yeah. Yep. Creativity involved in that. So I think when he was window cleaning, he needed that creative outlet in writing and stuff like that, which he will still do on holidays. But now he's in a job where there's so many creative elements that he's got there and he's so there's that saying: it's one when window closes, the other one there's always another. It's, there's always another one to wash. Is that how it goes? I'm quite sure. But uh, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, so I just wanted to put that uh, a little bit of a, uh, a hat nod to to Grant, who did introduce us and uh, and uh, and his his connection. I like, we're going to have to find a way of weaving that into the show's title, the, the Window Cleaner's Wife. It sounds like a book, a movie. It's a story that's got to be told, and it's been a brilliant story. <laughs> it really does sound like a book title, doesn't it, The Window Cleaner's Wife? <laughs> yeah. so, so, Kat, we know that you're uh, incredibly busy because you've got the Tenerife Fair coming up, which is enormous for you. So, uh, sadly, we could go on uh, for ages. We will put all the links in the show notes to your, to your stuff and your products. Uh, and again, look, thanks a lot for taking the time out of your very busy day to uh, talk to a couple of old blokes about creativity. <laughs> look, I'd really, as I say, I really appreciate coming on. And I, I think if I can inspire even just one other person in a small way um, to get um, being creative what I have, then I, I feel completely honoured to have this opportunity. So thank you very, very much. Yeah. Thank you, Kat. It's been a great pleasure to meet you. Um, can't wait to see the brand. A bleak hound and all the Bobby Francis going from strength to strength. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Now, Chris, we're going to have to link up Kit with our previous guest, Caroline Weaver, who was the pencil person, given the story of the her keeping her Derwood pencils. And we didn't ask her about that. We'll have to go back and, and ask her what happened to those pencils. Yeah, I think there's a message for everybody there is um, to kind of appreciate drawing uh, uh, it seems such a humble craft i think caroline weaver showed us that there's so much more to a humble pencil than you might think and cat has shown us how just the act of starting to draw even though she thought she couldn't draw has led her to a successful and exciting jewelry business i think there's something very powerful in picking up a pencil putting it on a piece of paper and drawing it it brings out new parts of the brain yeah chris without a doubt and the fact that she embraced that and then she also then embraced learning a new way of drawing using adobe products to be able to draw files that could be cut out with cnc cutter so look a great a great story uh a lovely to be you know a beautiful person so um if you enjoyed it please give us a rating uh five gold stars made out of acrylic jewelry if you would uh give us a review Yes, and pop any comments in the chat box at the bottom. We'd love to hear your comments, feedback. Maybe you're thinking of starting your own creative business. Um, maybe you think you don't have a creative firepower that's needed. Just give us your feedback. And, of course, tell your friends about this show. Tell them about the Common Creative Podcast. We'd love to get the message out there. It helps us and it helps our guests too. Um, and I hope to, you'll join us for next week's episode as well. Cheers for now.